Mana, mana, mana. Mana, mana. Well, well, well. Got something cool for you. It is called It Eats What Feeds It. Coming this June from Scout Comics. It's from somebody we all know and love. If you don't, you will. His name is Aaron Crow. Crazy talented dude. So nice. And this looks legitimately fantastic. Kenny, the goofy teenage caretaker of an eerie mansion in the Louisiana Bayou, must ignore the monstrous howls coming from the attic when he falls in love with the home's owner, an alluring older woman. Pillbox Reviews says it is a near-perfectly crafted story of building, skulking, gnawing horror. Cool thing is you can pre-order it now. Issue 1 be pre-ordered online or by calling your local comic store and telling them the pre-order code APR202022. There is such awesome art with it. It looks so good. I'll have all that information with the actual post on Twitter under S Discasting if you don't have that. Thank you and on to the show. This is Social Discasting. Welcome to Social Discasting, a podcast where my guests and I discuss our lives amidst the wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves. I am Brandon, aka Ben Turdsman. Hope you're well. My guest is a comedian, actor, editor, and filmmaker. He was the voice of Bug on the very funny show, Stone Quackers, and is currently an aspiring marble racer. Please welcome Bud. Welcome. Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. Hello. Hello, world. Hello, universe. (laughs) Do you have a universe name? Like, Turds People? You know, like how Rod has, like, the Rod Dogs? Yeah. Yes, Wolf Wolf. Sound off in the chat. No. Yeah, I guess as a turdsman, perhaps they are truly turds people. I actually tried to hijack Rod's Wolf Wolf thing and I made mine oof oof. (laughs) I haven't come up with a name yet. But yeah, let me know whenever you do. I'm assuming it's got to be buddies, right? Maybe. Or budheads, maybe. (laughs) That's good. Well, thanks for having me on this. This Oh, dude. Thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. How are you and where are you? I'm good. I'm in the gorgeous North Glendale, California right now. Recently moved here with my girlfriend. Moving during a pandemic is not fun. I asked Blair this, but how is it different from regular moving? Well, first of all, I will say that she was blessed in the sense that she was coming out of like a weird tenant settlement type thing where she actually got a moving company to move the bulk of her stuff. You know, there's just that like fear behind having so many people in your new place breathing really hard. You don't know where these people have been. It could be walking viruses. You don't know. But they wore masks. But they didn't wear booties. They should have. But it was just like, all right. And then I got to, I actually have to touch all the boxes. It was just like the added paranoia of like extra washing your hands, extra wearing masks. Make sure the masks are tight. You don't want a loose mask. It made an unfun thing even more like self-conscious and unfun. Yeah. Now with me, I had to do mine all by myself. First of all, you get like looks when you're just outside in general, I feel. Especially at that time when it was like real, real, real bad. Which I know it's still very bad, but that's time it was when like the big spike happened so that was maybe like mid-april maybe mid to late april or something okay we hadn't quite i guess relatively speaking settled a little no where it was very much like what is this and everybody's really tense we weren't in like the hunker down mode yet sure once we got to hunker down mode it was everyone kind of cooled off a little bit but i was just moving everything in my little kia forte by myself (laughs) until i had to like rent a u-haul truck to get the bigger items which Man, U-Hauls are, they're like weird, a weird scene right now. Cause like you only really go there if you absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. And um, inside the U-Haul, they had little plastic wrap, but they had made a wall out of it. So it was a wall from ceiling to floor plastic wrap that you could not cross the barrier. And then when you needed to sign paperwork, a guy would put it 
and like one of those little like plastic grabber things that you would pick up trash with yeah. and he would like reach over through a tiny tiny little hole cut out in the plastic wall he and then he would hand it to you on a little tiny like tv tray desk and you would sign it put <laughs> it back in the grabber he would grab it and bring it back to him i mean they're probably highly exposed so many people touch those things yeah like they wash them but they don't like sanitize everything there you know like the they just like make sure there's no spills and go, it's good. Yeah, so going through that whole experience sucked. A lot of extra precaution. But I mean, we're still not like moved in because we both work from home, you know, and the last thing you want to do is like fucking unbox things that you loaded last minute. You'll know what's in what. And you're just like, oh, great, a new box of problems. Even the idea that like, okay, we're not working right now. So do we then want to do something that feels like even more work and we don't get paid for it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially in these times, I'm sure. Like, nothing more you could possibly want than some form of decompression or mm-hmm. a healthy distraction. Like, I know you're doing Twitch more and more. When my brain would want to go to that, then the most monotonous thing I could possibly think of. Yeah. During those first few weeks, a lot of me and Blair, whenever we weren't working, a lot of the times we were just laying down on the floor, <laughs> like in silence, just be like, let's just take a break. Just exist and just shut the fuck up and we would just like kind of like be like all right we're good now let's unpack a box like we really need it was it was hard and it's still hard it's still not complete but it's like getting there luckily i have like the next like five days off which is nice so i'm gonna this is my one chance it's like eight mile this is my one chance (laughs) to really get it done you know yeah it's your one shot yeah can't miss your chance to flow mom's spaghetti so much of mommy's spaghetti (laughs) Mommy. That video, that that mom's spaghetti thing, that made me laugh. Arguably as hard as anything. Wait, which one? The mom's spaghetti bit. You know, the video, it's the bee rabbit, it's eight mile. And it's them taking the part where he just says mom's spaghetti. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the loop of it. I do remember that. I do remember that. Where Yeah, it's just like he only wraps in my spaghetti yeah. part. But what's funny is thinking about that, that randomly, you know, yesterday, uh, not to date the podcast, but yesterday was the 10 year anniversary of MacGruber coming out. Oh, whoa. Which is my, by the way, my all-time favorite comedy. It's so funny. It's I brilliant. I saw that with the guys. We all went, ugh, that was, yeah. That's one of my earlier, like, L.A. memories is going to see MacGruber with the boys. That's great. I, I don't know that I've ever laughed harder in a movie theater. Dude. It has, like, every form of humor. And it's my favorite like thing about certain comedic actors, like Will Forte especially, is that I completely respect people that not only as actors or whatever commit on a cellular level, but it's that he's committing to the most silly thing ever. Mm -hmm. That's why I got a Kia Forte, to be honest. I had options, (laughs) but I I went with the Forte because of MacGruber. (laughs) The sex scene where he goes, I'm going to shoot. God damn it. I'm going to shoot. Me and Clay and Whit, we still like say, I'm going (laughs) to shoot like all the time. And the fact that... The fact that it starts off with, he took Vicky St. Elmo's virginity in the most awful and um, and violent and unsexy way. (laughs) And then he immediately goes back to like talking to her in a way of just like that he's this ultimate seductor. And then within five, ten minutes, he is having sex with the ghost of his dead (laughs) wife on her gravestone. And that that is amazing. And then when he's not doing that, a guy said, nice car, sarcastically. And he has a vendetta against him for half the movie. (laughs) The biggest feat to me of that movie is the, God, 10 minute, maybe, like, sequence of him getting the team together. That, That, which was then stolen by Deadpool 2. Oh, really? Oh, dumbass. I hate, sorry. I don't like Deadpool. I don't like it. It's not my thing. And it's fine. But that whole bit of assembling for then something to happen, MacGruber did that first. 
And it's so funny. Like, Incredible. how he runs around, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like, I, oh, God. You okay, buddy? No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no, no. No, 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 no. God, it's so fucking funny. <laughs> Somebody sent me, a friend of mine sent me, um, a story today just how apparently uh, somebody who was a massive fan of that movie is somebody I would not have guessed is Christopher Nolan. Really? Yes, which is kind of that the idea of like Terrence Malick loves the movie Zoolander. Really? Yeah. And so it's like that some of the most serious directors love the silliest things. Yeah. Which kind of tracks. Like, I could see that. Yeah, I see that. Everyone needs their like escape. And that movie, MacGruber, I think is it's an all-time comedy. I know this isn't like a movie podcast necessarily, but I've been... Here's what I love about Blair. Other people I've dated, I'll like try and like get them to watch the oddities, like the movies that I love that like aren't good. Yeah. And Blair's just on board, and I love that. Like, she's so great. But I've been getting her to like watch all like the dumb shit that for some reason stuck with me throughout the years. Is Monster and Squad one of those movies? No. Okay, Monster Squad has been pushed on me by my best friend Joe my whole life, and I, it became a weird game to myself. Never watch it. I finally did, and I'm like, okay, this is actually, like, the writing's, like, really good. Aside from the premise being really silly and dumb, like, the acting, everything's really, really fun. I was in that stream watching it with you guys. Uh-huh. And it still is the funniest thing to me that in that movie, I know the Wolfman Nards thing is like yeah. the popular thing, but I do love that they were trying to add to the canon of Dracula. That yeah. Dracula just loves dynamite. That's so funny, dude. And it's such a funny choice to me. Yeah. It seems like something like a modern writer's room would come up with. I could see that. Like, oh yeah, what if Dracula was just obsessed with dynamite? <laughs> blowing shit up to be like yes yeah. dude yes put it in it's so funny that does feel like a joke that they put in that somehow made it all the way oh yeah we were joking about that that's right yeah that's so funny it started as like a little like what if and then yeah. like look at it it's on the screen now and it's so funny instead of just going and attacking someone with his hands which he probably would be fine doing that like he could kill them in seconds him. if he wanted to yeah but no i like the idea that he's immortal and he's bored so he's just gonna mess with people and yeah. just throw dynamite at them. Yeah, it gives them an opportunity, like, something to take advantage of somehow, you know, like, down the road. Yeah, exactly. I love that, like, yeah, if there's an opportunity where if Dracula had just a, a fucking pistol and, like, someone was, like, <laughs> laying on the ground and he was pointing the pistol, he'd be like, damn it, I can't shoot you. Hold on. I'll put the gun away. And I'm going to take out a stick of dynamite. I have. He's, like, committing to dynamite. Like, I have to dynamite you <laughs> to death. I can't. Well, this is what I do. I'm Dracula. Yeah, I'm Dracula. I'm Dynamite Guy. I'm Dynamite Guy. At least that interesting possibilities of what could go wrong versus, say, (laughs) in Marvel where you have Hawkeye who doesn't miss until he does, which is like, ooh, talk about stakes. You said that she was down to watch certain movies that stuck with you. One movie that really stuck with me is this movie called Dark City. That came out. Oh, I rewatched that a couple of nights ago. 1998. Did you really? Somebody was streaming a a week ago, maybe, was streaming on Discord and we watched it. Whoa. We probably watched it the same night because it was like two nights ago. Crazy. So that movie, I don't know why. Maybe it was because it, first of all, it is very cool, but like I think I saw it at a time when like no one else had watched it because I think it was like overshadowed maybe by like the anticipation or release of The Matrix, maybe. There are some overlaps, some vibes similar to those movies. But it sort of got buried, and it's just the 
best 90s like goth noir jazz like just a weird (laughs) psychotic thing the premise is that real quickly is that like these alien creature things are conducting this experiment trying to find the human soul so they have this city that they hop into like the heads of dead people and they can control the dead bodies and they uh, have the ability to make everyone go to sleep if they want to and then they change the whole city and they change all these situations to be like all right where this guy was rich now we're gonna make him really poor this it holds up like, pretty well by the it way it does yeah but this guy was a priest now he's going to be like a rapist murderer guy and we're gonna see like how the person themselves acts upon this new situation and Kiefer sutherland is like the crazy scientist human scientist who works for them and he creates the memories that they inject into the heads yeah. when they're asleep the whole premise is like okay that's the stage but what if while you were giving the injection to someone what if someone woke up when they were supposed to be asleep and they saw what was happening which is kind of into that like simulation vibe of like the person who woke up neo woke up for sure he like he's awoke to what's happening he he felt something was off but he actually like got out of what if neo realized he was the one by himself yeah (laughs) there's got to be a morpheus though like Kiefer sutherland definitely is like the morpheus type but he's like there's one thing about it that really stuck out to me. So in this movie, he has flashbacks of this place called Shell Beach, which mm-hmm. is funny because I think I relate to that because there's a Shell Beach near where I grew up. And when he has flashbacks of his childhood, it's like this almost like tunnel vision yes. view that's really cloudy. But they play these sped up like reversed music, I think of like an accordion or something. So it's like, like this crazy sound. It's one of the best flashback like tunnel visiony type of visual and audio combinations that i've seen any movie do like flashback sequences like people always do okay there's black and white there's like a little sepia there's like desaturated there's cloudy it's the best approximation of a memory yes absolutely and it really just was like whoa that's a flashback right there that's like how you do it that's got like i've never seen that before and it resonates and it makes me think like like how do you visually show a memory or a flashback that's really interesting. You know that reminds me of the movie Killing Them Softly. Just so you know, I haven't seen a lot of good movies yet because I don't know. I'm a, I'm just a simple guy. If anybody has like a thing, that's movies for me for sure. Oh, okay. But Killing Them Softly you reminded me. There's a scene. It's brief where Scoot McNary, I think his name is, great actor. He does heroin, and then they do a brief first person shot from when the heroin starts to work. And it was so evocative and interesting. And I'm like, stuff like that, to your point about visualizing a memory, that fascinates me. That type of stuff, that new, kind of like the being John Malkovich of, of it, in a sense. It reminds me of a, have you seen these videos on YouTube where it's like, we watch the top five like clips from hacking movies, but then we have a, an actual hacker, like watch them. The GQ videos? That'd be so funny. It's like, we took the top five drug trip scenes <laughs> and we got an actual drug addict to take watching. <laughs> they're like, nah, man, it's not like that at all. And then like the other one, they're like, oh yeah, it's for sure like that. <laughs> That actually sounds like it'd be a great sketch. I like the idea of that a lot. (laughs) I had the idea the other day for a sketch that made me laugh a lot. It's just, 
What if you take the movie Benjamin Button uh-huh. and everything's the same, except when he's aging backwards, his voice is a normal trajectory. So when he's old, it's a baby voice. Oh, and when he's a baby, it's an old man voice. Dude, you could probably do that with using like voice pictures and yeah. stuff. Like kind of do like a, a setup for that. That's so funny. Uh, the idea of it really makes me laugh. Just a tiny little baby. Tiny little old, tiny little weird baby. It's like an old man's voice. A very old sounding cry. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, wow. <laughs> so but i know you're doing twitch maybe occasionally if you're not working and then moving and then moving and then working yeah. but what else are you doing with your time now that you kind of have home time what i do for for money is uh i used to work in animation like animatic editing and mm-hmm. then i kind of took a, a back seat to that and like started editing for like branded social media stuff strictly because it just pays a lot more money and i was like kind of tired of like being poor so i'm like you know what i'm gonna like work one of these corporate things and just like make a lot of money and stock that up and then when i'm financially ready i'll try and dive back into animation so i i edit most of the day still like writing a lot like i've got that itch people in the short film community they'll make something they'll tour it for maybe like eight months to a year and then you start to get that itch again where you just have to like you've been thinking of new ideas you sit down you write it and you're just waiting you just get the money and then shoot it but now pandemic has really kind of fucked that whole thing up where i feel like a lot of filmmakers are just like waiting at the starting line for like the gun to go off to make sure it's like okay to yeah. like go back out so they can staff up and then get like a crew going to short shoot this stuff when that to your point of like oh the green God. light it's gonna be a land grab dude for yeah. people it's gonna be a land grab it's gonna be just a creative boom i mean i assume that something like that must have happened right like after the spanish flu was there probably like a huge boom in like the arts and stuff there had to have been right i would think so there was a relative boom even in the great depression yeah the wpa and things so all of these things as awful as obviously they are in the moment great art is always a response so i'm just kind of i have some ideas i just gotta like pick one and then I got a couple of scripts that I, I want to do. But like, again, I couldn't ask people to be like, hey, I know uh, you're putting your life at risk for this thing where I probably can pay $100 for. But yeah, like for a week, you know, yeah. like a whole week. But but yeah, I'm just kind of itching to get back out there and like make a new film. I do think the one thing that will come out of the situation that now that people aren't able to do all the things they're used to doing, you're going to get a better idea of what means anything to you. Right. Like what you value. That's going to like you can tell a genuine person person and people respond to that more probably than somebody who's got artificers like affecting something and i think the same thing goes for art that people believe in people innately i think respond to that far more than something that's like cynically made so i think a lot of good art is going to come out of this well it's like if like the sun went out or something and we all had to move underground like everyone's been making underground art right now you know they've been making art for whatever they can make in the, within their means of being like work at home in this pandemic and i think like once the sun comes back and we're able to go outside again people are just kind of like their creative consciousness is going to explode yes i mean i feel weird going out like some of my neighbors go have like picnics in the general little open grass area outside and i see it and i'm like oh that seems fun but like i don't know if i'm ready for that like (laughs) i i don't know like I wish everyone had their own scientists with them that could be like, oh, no, no, that's cool. Like, you're good to do that. Like a scientific Sherpa of sorts who can just like, is this okay, scientists? Or like, yeah, yeah, no, that's good. You can do that. Because right now I think like everything is off limits. I know. know? I almost want that like scientific placebo effect of, hey, go find a stranger, put a lab coat on them. I don't need to know whether they're a doctor or not. 
I just need them to know it's to, <laughs> to tell me it's okay, and that's all I need. Because otherwise, the idea of a picnic again is like a very beautiful idea. Yeah. But I would also be me eating like finger sandwiches, wanting to vomit. Right. And being paranoid and scared. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, did someone recently come and roll around on the grass? You know, I don't know. And it's just all over the grass. Like, do you need to have a complete closed off plastic environment with a little air conditioner pumped into it? Or you just like live in this bubble where you don't touch anything? What I've always wanted, I want it because I know it's not possible. But it's like in the game, like Grand Theft Auto or other games where you can go to the info and it tells you everything you've ever done in the game. And yeah. how long you've been playing. I want that for life. I want all the stats. <laughs> wow. You don't necessarily want something to like film everything. You just want to like track at, like a text history <laughs> yes. of like everything you Give done. me numbers. I don't want video because I don't want to be embarrassed by all the stupid shit I've done. Yeah. I just want it to quantify it into like cold hard facts. Sure, yeah. I say that and then that the implication is that it's Big Brother. And by the way, like all this stuff exists in real life. Yeah. And I'm just thankfully woefully ignorant to that. <laughs> but I guess that is what it is. So for all this, I know we're what, we're eight weeks into it, I guess. Damn. I know. And I say I guess. I really am not certain. But do you have any tips for people? Anything you've learned that's helped you or could help other people? Just remember that it's temporary. I can get lost in the frustrations of this a lot. And I have to remind myself that like it's almost like a game. Yeah. Like we're just like all sticking it out for this game and that there is it's a big game and there's a prize at the end of it. And the prize at the end of it is going to be some of the biggest, like most fun celebrations you're going to like ever experience, like being able to go outside and like party and drink again and stuff. But yeah, I'd say take moments to like slow down. I feel like most people aren't at our age single doing what we're doing, aren't meant to like be spending this much time at home like this. Yeah. I think it's like a lot of the advice that's given to like married couples with children. I'd say like take a lot of that advice <laughs> it's like <laughs> yourself and just like all right take make sure you're like taking time for yourself alone you know like um also a lot of people are um quarantining with you know significant others or sometimes even like family or roommates and they're yeah. just like well you're stuck with this person now like um <laughs> just find like a good balance of like time for self and then time to spend with them and yeah. i guess like if you feel comfortable with this like and you have like private spaces outside definitely like take advantage of that you know try and spend a little more time outside because uh walls psychologically do something to you yeah i think all of this happening and what we're having to do or should be doing as a response to it it's extremely unnatural oh absolutely yeah you know i have moments days hours sometimes you know just of not like freaking out and losing my mind but i have to really consciously like focus on something or just kind of like get a handle on it or decompress and separate just something and it's all valid you know like so long as you're not hurting yourself or other people and you're just being conscious and mindful like everything's in play right now this is unprecedented in our generation it's truly like beyond comprehension it makes me think about prison a lot. Like I'm some people I know have like kind of gone like real stir crazy being in <laughs> quarantine. And it makes me think of like, damn, being a prisoner must just fucking suck so bad. Like to be it's like, truly in it's there. It is so much inhumanity in it. Oh, my God. So much like just the four walls and silence kind of like and we've been what you said, like eight weeks maybe of this or whatever in luxury, relative yeah. luxury. I know. Yeah, this has been hell. As you're like, oh, hold on one second. And then you're getting like your Grubhub delivery. I know. You're like, 
Oh, the plight of the person who's at home with cable. Yeah, <laughs> it really like. Can you imagine? I can't. So, I can't. Some people are like, "You got a year of prison. That's not enough. Why'd you go light on him?" I'm like, "Oh my god, have you tried a year in prison? Yeah. Have you have you tried it? It's have not, you tried empathy also? Yeah, it's not." <laughs> a, Oh, what you think, man? Like this is that sucks. A whole year, like, whew, all right, you're walking. Men walk walking into the prison the first time, like one year. Here we go. <laughs> just all right, like a year. First of all, seems like a long time for anything, and that's maybe just commitment issues on my part, which is a whole other thing. But. It doesn't sound like a lot until you're stripped of everything. Yeah, for sure. Just the idea of it is full on survival instincts 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think people need to be reminded. I don't know how, but they need to be reminded that like you're kind of being like you're in danger a lot mm-hmm. of the time there too. So you're in the like, yeah, survival instincts for that period of time is like so exhausting. There's no decompression time. No. And it can be like, yeah, that can be like, you can develop like PTS and like, yeah, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong. It's not like we're going like, all right, we're going to take you to the Hyatt off the freeway. We're going to bring you your meals are going to be basic. The TV's not going to work. We're going to unplug <laughs> the TV, but you'll have a bed and you'll have the lights and you'll be able to look out the window, but you're going to spend a year here be like damn that sucks you know like it's not like that but it'd be like oh and also everyone here probably wants to hurt you i don't know because you're new or different or because they're also have been changed by their experience here for the worse you know this or just bad for no reason whatsoever right i can't imagine and that's just us in eight weeks and even in this this is a blur and this is unfathomable i mean it really is it's just unnatural so yeah. that, yeah, man, fuck prisons. I mean, truly, yeah. like, <laughs> like not exaggerating, fuck prisons. This was talked about on Dana's episode before, but fuck prisons. So, I mean, that's a natural transition, I think, to, do you have any plugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's see, what, what are we plugging? So lately I've been doing a lot of Twitch streams, getting a lot of heat from Rod as to heavily brand. Yeah. Uh, he wants me to, like, go full streamer mode, which the truth is, that once this is all over, I don't know how seriously I will take this. So it's yeah. just going back to what we talked about in our hour and a half talk we had before we started the podcast was uh, dipping into different things just to kind of see if you like it. I'm hoping that Twitch, you know, so far it feels really good. I, I really like doing this stuff. So I'd say for right now, please support me on Twitch. It's twitch.tv slash pvbud. PV stands for power of violence. Everyone always asks, what's PV for? So yeah, it's pvbud. I'm trying to come up with like new creative things that people can uh, bet on, which I don't know if that's against the terms of service, but we'll see. You may or may not have had somebody Twitch-related participating, so... Uh... True. Well, that's why I do it all for charity, because I'm hoping that if someone's like, hey, uh, this guy's gambling, they'd be like, oh, wait, no, but it's for charity. So it's Oh, like, no, it's for a boring charity. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> it's for United Way, the most boring charity. <laughs> the most fucking boring charity in the world. <laughs> That's so good. But then, yeah, just like Instagram, Bud Anthony Diaz, Twitter, Bud Anthony Diaz. At Inquisitive Dick on Twitter. S discussing for the podcast itself. Hope you're well. Be safe. Be kind. It's okay to not be okay. You know anything from me? I'm on the aforementioned Twitter. Otherwise, thank you for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.